Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, my guest is a comedian from Seattle. She's performed at multiple festivals such as Bumper Shoot. She recently released an album in 2020 called Mostly Finger Guns that went number one mm-hmm. on the iTunes charts, correct? Yes. And um, she also has two podcasts, Hug Life <laughs> and uh, Dumb Pitches, which I actually produce. It's my pleasure to introduce. Oh, actually, she also has this really funny um, documentary series called 8480, which <laughs> I loved watching. Yeah, good. It's I'm my pleasure it. to good. introduce Monica Nevy. Yay. Thank you. I'll clap for myself. There there we go. <laughs> so I'm still, uh, I don't know if this is the right word. I feel so weird saying like virgin to anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever. <laughs> you can be honest. This is a safe space. There we go. I, I'm a, I'm still a virgin to comedy because I'm not even old enough to go to oh, comedy shows yet. So. Oh, you, oh, right. Yeah. So you haven't been in a club at all? No, I haven't okay. even been to it. Like. I like interview artists for a living and I've I know some pretty dope artists and I still get kicked out of oh, concert like venues. venues that's <laughs> yeah. funny. Uh I mean most well some comedy clubs most comedy clubs do like their early show is 18 and up or mm-hmm. or 16 and up sometimes. So, so it's like a matinee. So we could figure out how to lose your comedy virginity but <laughs> there we go. So the only comedian I've had on is um Ramin Nazer when I was in LA okay. and uh, he has a podcast with Shane Moss called Mine under matter, I think that's what it's called. Something like that, yeah. And those guys um, are... his his story is crazy, but I think it's <laughs> awesome that there's. I really didn't even realize there's like a comedy scene in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So could you like break down comedy in Seattle for me? <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, it's with most. I mean, you would if you're surprised by Seattle, you would be surprised about like these small towns that have like a comedy scene. It's really interesting. But Seattle's actually probably one of what I would call a mid-major city. Oh, I was an athlete, so I refer to things in college terms. <laughs> but um, so you have your big ones like New York and L.A., and then you'd have like Atlanta, Chicago, and Austin. Now, mm-hmm. kind of like right below. Because Joe that. Rogan or. Is it even outside of jail? A lot of people, well, yeah, when he moved there, a bunch of people moved there, so whatever. Um, <laughs> but then after that, you would have Seattle, Portland, Denver, um, places like that. I'm trying to think of what on, like, maybe Cleveland, Cincinnati, like, places that are still a pretty big city, but mm-hmm. not as big. But they have, like, these really um, great comedy scenes. So what you want is multiple clubs, which we have three in Seattle, and then there's two in Tacoma, which is close enough, so it's kind of a... It's kind of one scene, but Tacoma really has its own thing going on, too. Um, And, yeah, so there's a bunch of comedy clubs. Then you have, like, what people call alt rooms, but it's, like, an independent venue that does shows, you know, not every single night, but, you know, once a week or whatever. And um, So could that be, like, a concert venue also then? Yeah, you can use those. A lot of people have been using those more now. So the clubs are you work from Thursday to Saturday usually. You can do Sunday or some clubs are Wednesday to Sunday, which is a lot. Or if you're in Vegas, it's the whole damn week. But mm-hmm. um, then if you're like, I don't want to do a full club and I can make more money just producing my own show at a music venue, like in El Corazon or something like oh, that. Wait, they have Crocodile, they, those types of places. They have comedy shows at those? Mm-hmm. That's you crazy. can just uh, use them essentially. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, then you'll see people kind of do a small tour where they would do like a venue like that in Portland, in Seattle, and then in Bellingham or something like that and kind of just go up instead of doing the whole weekend at a, at one club. I hear um, when I'm listening to comedian podcasts, I feel like people talk more about Tacoma versus Seattle. For right comedy. now. Yeah. Well, they just have better clubs. I mean, not to 
probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, they just have uh, two really big clubs. One is new. One has been there for a long time, Tacoma Comedy Club. And they own one in Spokane, one in Appleton, Wisconsin, one in Oklahoma City. And um, they uh, intend to expand, I think. So um, they have a good structure. They get a lot of, you know, A-list headliners kind of thing. And then up here, they're just smaller rooms. They're great clubs. They get really good comics, but they're just they fit less people. So mm-hmm. I think bigger names that want to come up here tend to go to Tacoma because they we make more money with more people being able to fit in the club. And it's not normal to like for like a Dave Chappelle or Joe Rogan to perform at Tacoma Dome. That's like not a normal. Not venue. in Tacoma Dome. I mean that happened once, but okay. <laughs> it's arenas are hard. I think not that I've ever done one, but because um, like theaters are great. I think theaters are really good for comedy because. Comedy clubs are different than most other venues because they have a table and you're drinking and there's a server the whole time. And with music, you can play over that. But with comedy, mm-hmm. you can't really like you have to be louder than that or just get enough attention, you know. So if they get a little bit rowdy, you can lose them pretty easily. But in a theater, they don't have the table. If they want concessions, they got to go out, you know, so everyone's facing the same way. It's actually a really conducive uh, venue for comedy so then you can get bigger and bigger and then I guess if you're a Chappelle slash Rogan right. you would be like well let's fit as many people as possible into an arena I don't know how that goes I guess it depends on how it's shaped but yeah it's just it's just big you're bound to do well in that many with that many somebody's yeah. gonna like you if you got that many people in there <laughs> then how do you build up like your your name in comedy and in in hip-hop or just being an artist before the pandemic, it's completely changed now. There's fucking COVID and mm-hmm. TikTok and all that. Right. But before that, um, the main way was going to open mics and just building up your your guests and then eventually have enough of a draw that you can go to like a local venue or something like that. How does it work for comedy? I mean, that sounds pretty similar on a basis level like if you before so for me i've been doing stand-up for almost 11 years which is holy shit i feel old but yeah so for me i went i went and watched an open mic a couple of times and then decided to do it and then after kind of months of just going to open mics and really for comedy you're trying to make new material you know that's when you're actually performing new material that you've written Mm -hmm. with music it seems like you're like here's an original song that i wrote and hoping people will like you. Yeah. I think we think less of like, I hope this audience is now a fan and um, more of like, I hope this joke works. I don't know. Um, so then you do that until other comics, other producers, the club, wherever you're doing the open mic, whatever sees you and is like, do you want to work on the weekend or do you want to do a, a book show showcase, hopefully paid, but you never know, you know? And so then you start doing those and then more people find out you're good. And, So it's almost with comedy, instead of building a fan base first, you're building, you're networking with other people in your scene to just get, you know, actual shows. And then I think that's when you start building a fan base, kind of. I mean, I do think it takes quite a while. Right. And this was what would happen before. And then, you know, the internet changes things. Um... I mean, even with just like YouTube and Instagram and whatnot, that you can put more stuff out and people would follow you that way sometimes. But with comedy, it can be detrimental too, because if you put something out too early and it's not good, then it's like people are like kind of write you off a little bit. So now it's changed, I think, probably in the same way that music has. I mean, there's people who are um, 
doing tours at big clubs because just solely because they have you know over half a million tiktok followers that's crazy right which is crazy and sometimes it's not because of stand up it's not stand up you know mm-hmm. like so then they're going to do a stand up show when you liked them because they they do a character or something you know so it's yeah. an interesting it's changed a lot and honestly i don't really know how to use it the best way possible i mean i think we're all guessing a little bit which i'm sure is the same for musicians but beforehand like it's still kind of i think artists are starting to realize they have to be like more business oriented yeah but still there's tons of artists who feel like some magical fairy or someone's going to find them and they're going to be successful but like how does that work with comedy like are people are comedians found or do they have to go to these clubs i I think that is so common also in comedy that you think so i mean so yes before you would do you know you keep working up you kind of do the clubs then most people move to a bigger city and that's why is because mm-hmm. they hope somebody's going to walk in and, and see them and go oh you're famous now you know and which is happened like three times you know like it's just not very common and so there's other things like there's uh just for laughs which is a huge festival in montreal and or any other festival i guess you go and do a festival it's really only like 10 minute sets but the idea is that there's a lot of industry people there people mm-hmm. that book America's Got Talent or uh, late night shows or whatever, which again, with those things shifting, those mean less than they used to. You know, having a late night set is something I really want to do, not because it's going to break my career, you know, it's going to be this breakthrough. It's just because I want to, I think. But before that was like a huge thing. Like if you did Conan or whatever, then you were a headliner now. You could headline any club because you had that credit. And now it just doesn't mean as much. It almost doesn't mean as much as somebody who's been doing stand-up for three years having a million TikTok followers. You know, it's a, which I get it. It gets butts in seats. That's all the clubs really want. So it's, it's, people have that same perception of like, if I go to New York or if I go to LA, then I'm going to do shows and just the right person's going to be in the audience and then everything changes. And it it just doesn't happen that often that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Here in Seattle, I feel like a lot of artists are realizing that the venues, in a way, are kind of like against them. Are they? So, like, they, they get shit pay, or like they yeah. have to have done something phenomenal, like work with Drake or something to be, for for uh, like events, to, not events, uh, venues to notice them. So, like, they're throwing their own events. Yeah. Like whether it's outside of a fucking venue, like the, I don't know if you know who the Martial Law Band is, yeah. but they threw this like this thing called Fremont Fridays, like an entire summer, and it was like it was in the back of the LTD bar and lounge. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It was actually pretty successful, but, like, people are thinking of ways to, like, just without going through, like, venues. Like, how is that for comedy? Do Like, I know, like, once again, I'm such a, like, a, a newbie to comedy. Well, it when sounds, I, the more you're talking about this, like, it sounds fairly familiar to what you, you know. Right. And, I mean, yeah, it, I think this whole experience changed the way that we thought about venues so much. Because, yeah, you would just go, this is how much the club pays, even though it's not very good. Or they always had an excuse. And then you're like, oh, I've produced a few things on my own now. Mm -hmm. I know you're making way more money than that. I don't know why you're not paying comics. Even $100 more would be great, you know. And they just don't do it. And so then it does. It drives us the same way to go, well, then fine. I'm going to produce a show at a theater on my own. Or I'm going to, you know, do whatever. Do outdoor stuff, which has never been a thing here, ever. It's been a ton, you know, in L.A. They do outdoor shows all the time. But here, the outdoor comedy shows didn't exist. And then they had to here in Portland. And now there's like a ton of them. And then you, yeah, you realize you go, oh, I could be making more money. It's more work. But 
doing this on my own. And I think that the venues and, you know, club owners and bookers wanted us to think that we had to go through them before. And now it's become very apparent that we didn't. And so I don't know what's going to happen to them, but they seem to be doing, some of them are adapting for at least for comedy bookers and being like, yeah, I'll do a door deal with you. You can use the venue, but you can produce it yourself, you know, which comedy clubs want door deals with people who don't sell tickets. (laughs) And you want a door deal when you know that you can sell tickets because they want to give you a guarantee if you're going to sell it out because then they get all that extra money. So it, it is more work, but it seems like it's kind of the way that we have to go depending on who you are. And then this live stream stuff really changed the game too because we never even thought about it before. There was a few like somebody did like a virtual reality comedy show where you could like, you know, wear the goggles. Um, But before, you know, there just wasn't a lot of like live stream shows and then we had to, and now there's a ton of them. And it actually, you know, we started like right away when everything got canceled in March of 2020, that weekend, that Saturday, I just did a YouTube show from my living room and it went really well. And so I think part of you goes, oh yeah, there's people who want to see me that can't mm-hmm. ever, you know, like I don't come to the tiny, tiniest towns. Well, sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the correct tiny, tiny town. And now that person can watch me, you know, and then whatever it leads to donations or if you charge ticket prices or uh, buying your album, whatever it is, like it's, it trickles down differently. And so, which is actually why I started the podcast I do here. I mean, just to have a YouTube, like. Tell more... people what your podcast is about, by the way. Oh, it's called Dumb Pitches, and I interview successful people about their worst ideas. So Amazing just... pitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good tagline. Now, yeah, I have, um, it's a lot of comics, but um, people who've done cool stuff, then they come on and share stuff that was really stupid, and then it kind of evens it all out, you know? Do, Everybody has bad ideas. Do comedians think they're, like, not think, but, like, do you see yourself as like an artist or like do you think you're a comedian I don't know why I thought you were going to be like do you think you're funny um (laughs) (laughs) yes um I've had this argument or conversation Mm. many times I I struggle with thinking that it's an art I do think you're releasing albums though (laughs) right I do think the most uh most people say it is an art some people say it borders on philosophy a little bit like which maybe is giving them too much credit of being like, you know, I'm like Socrates, you know, I just, everybody listens to me. But it is, I think the creative process for it is very similar to mm-hmm. other art forms, um, which is different for everybody, but you know, how you write, how you come up with stuff. And then, um, you know, it is a live performance. I think, yeah, I think it still is art. And I think that they love, if I'm stereotyping my own group, we love the tortured artist thing. And so I think you kind of have to be an artist to buy into that. So a lot of comics struggle because they think that they have to be. Because comedy really comes from a painful place. Right. Which is weird, but it's true. So you can't be like just yeah, a rich, snotty be like, guy being yeah, a comedian? Yeah, you can't be like this. Well, you can, it turns out. But uh, <laughs> it's harder, I think, to write relatable stuff if you are just super happy and rich all the time. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of comics think that they have to live that lifestyle of like uh, late nights, lonely, drink too much, you know, what just sadness because they think that that's where they pull from. And I know um, 
I know plenty of people who have kind of turned their life around into a positive place and then it actually opens up a different space than you've ever written from before so it it still can be a really creative place but I think if if you buy into that sadness creating art um then you definitely have to consider yourself an artist yeah i think a lot of like you know the so-called artists like musicians i feel like a lot of artists and comedians share the same kind of mindsets it sounds so similar and uh, as a former athlete i felt like tell people about that real quick i know you've talked about it about a ton so i don't want to just like no that's okay badger you about um i played basketball my whole life i played in college um and uh I got hurt, and actually that's why I started doing stand-up is because I couldn't play anymore, so whatever. But <laughs> uh, I spent my whole life around athletes, you know, and, and for a long time I thought uh, my mind was very, like, scientific and cut and dry, and, you know, and with basketball, even though it, I was point guard, so it was a very creative position, but it is like if things aren't going well, you work harder. That's it. You know, yeah. that's pretty much no other reason or answer and with comedy people are they don't have that same mindset as an athlete so i struggled with that at first because i was came across as fairly insensitive to other comics because i was like i don't know why you're complaining like uh, do something about it you know what i mean because that's just what i was used to getting yelled at and but isn't that like, the right way to think i, feel I like. don't know but it's i think for me what i've noticed with my writing at least is that if i try to force myself to do it it's just not as good it needs to be in kind of a relaxed like kind of a natural smoke jerry yeah <laughs> and that does help sometimes <laughs> um well sometimes with comedy that can be tricky because sometimes i'll be like this is hilarious this is so funny and then i'll write it down and then in the morning i'll be like what the hell was i thinking <laughs> but <laughs> um anyways yeah so i think you need to be a little bit more relaxed and it just depends on the person artist subjective i think the way that you create art then is subjective mm-hmm. there's no correct way to do it right. and so in my head i was just like well just work harder like what do you you know and that wasn't it got me in trouble a few times but oh god um the but the funny part is that you know athletes is pretty pretty common for athletes to want to be musicians oh or god. act especially or a lot of basketball players they yeah. try to be rappers yes exactly and w- which there's been a few that wanted to do comedy um, oh no well Blake Griffin I don't know if you'd ever heard that I he, know Blake Griffin yeah he had a, a an internship with Funny or Die oh god and he is fairly funny but then um, that's like sketch stuff which is different than stand up and then they like I don't even really remember they challenged him I guess to do stand up in LA at this place called the West Side which is funny but and everybody in there signs the wall in the green room and that night he did a set and it i've heard that it went okay mm-hmm. and then deandre jordan did a set and it oh. went really well which i thought was funny but i think you never really know because everyone's like it's you know it's two clippers players in here just trying stand up this is cool that we're getting to see this but yeah they had signed on the wall and i think deandre jordan said that he had like on the wall was like i did better in blake uh, <laughs> which is funny but yeah that's 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 new that people want to also be stand-up comedians does will ferrell own funny or die or is he just like associate with them they created it yeah i don't know if he's still like yeah, yes he's he had made some it funny but shit i don't know there. if it's all yeah that's how it like first started i think was him and the so, other guy adam mckay or whatever is his partner so are comedians like a like for artists hip-hop artists pop artists whatever like the overall goal that a lot of people in Seattle want 
in the art scene at least is to make a big community where people actually know like if someone knows one thing that's successful they can share it to the other genre or whatever but like right now things are really clicky so mm-hmm. we're trying to fix that right now that's what i do with the podcast but like how does it how does that relate to like comedy like do comedians in seattle are they focused on making comedy in seattle bigger or are they focused on helping each other or is it like just your own thing when you're making doing comedy in seattle i think there's factions of with different goals um we it's clicky i think i don't know why comedy everywhere is pretty clicky Mm -hmm. but i think it is that and maybe this happens with genres of music but with comedy there's just different directions you know some people talk about politics all the time some people just do jokey jokes some people um you know are really dirty some people are clean you know so then sometimes you can get people where like well i don't like this other group of comics because they're all dirty or whatever it is um that doesn't happen that often but you do tend to click with people more or like for us when i lived in la everyone from seattle and everyone from portland we were kind of a group you know just because we already knew each other um i think here in seattle or in some of the smaller scenes it's become more apparent maybe in like the last three or four years that you should be building the scene up um, more than preparing to leave it. Mm-hmm. And so yes. it started more to really create a, a better community and kind of been able to go in between the clubs and the independent venues because for a while it was like either you're an alt comic or you're a club comic. That's it. But then now at least for some of us, it's pretty easy to kind of do Wait, all thing. of it. Is there more money in being like a club comic versus an alt comic? Or how does that work? I think technically a club comic, if you were just doing their shows because they have more shows and more, you can work more clubs. But if you were putting on your own shows at a alt venue, you could make more money that way. Got it. Um, but these other, the alt shows themselves that are like monthly or whatever, they t- typically do not pay as much as the clubs. Um but it's yeah, whatever. It's a, it's just a mess. Just work wherever you want to. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think one. I would love to see more things filmed here. Um, not necessarily like entire feature films or whatever, which would be great because I know we have odd tax laws and stuff here as far as um, movies go. There's so a new movie coming out soon. You saw that? Um, the guy. I keep forgetting his name. Oh yeah, I think it's Steven Soderbergh or whatever. He mm. directed, he um, directed, uh, fuck, what's it called? Ocean's Eleven okay. and Contagion. Nice. And then he's making a new movie right now, and I think it's maybe wrapped up, but it was in Pike Place, so they, not Pike Place, Pioneer Square. Nice. So they cleaned up all of, like the homeless people, and now I think they're back now. But mm, well, they got a nice place <laughs> to hang out. Um, but you're right. The tax that's great. Is yeah, just more stuff being made here. More people feeling like they can create things like this here. I mean, yeah. that's. That's huge. We never really had podcast studios or film studios or anything here. And I think adding those things in this area is huge. I think more artists understanding that they can stay here and still have really successful, if not more successful careers from here. And I'm not saying you have to only play to this community. You can do the whole world just because of the Internet now without having to move to L.A. or New York. And there's just there's so many people that move there and then leave because they go, well, I don't, one, I don't want to live there. But two, I can still maintain, travel, create, do all these things from wherever I want to be. And I want to see more people 
be here and really create things from here. And I would love, I would love for more of us to reach across, reach across the aisle, <laughs> reach across the the art form. You know, That's what I'm thinking. I would love to do comedy with music, or you know, there's we work with some of the improv comics sometimes and do like a mixture show. We've done drag and comedy, you know, whatever. I think that us supporting each other is huge and i just think that not only the comedy community here i would love to see continue to grow but just art in general here you know i think it's a really great place for audiences and we need to give them more more stuff Mm -hmm. you know so how would you describe is that a common question like how do you describe your comedy yeah it is a common question but um (laughs) uh funny no i uh i mean yes but um it's pretty inconsequential is a word I've been using lately which is Ooh. probably the best site but it's uh I like to have fun I want people to come in and kind of forget everything that we've been worrying about not that I don't you know talk about it but it's it's observational it's things that have happened to me things that are going on um that I hope people can relate to and then it's just it's just silly and funny and silly and funny that's yeah the- <laughs> hopefully it's you know it's not it's not too political it's not divisive it's not like i want as many people as possible to enjoy it and that's just pretty naturally how i write you know i don't gravitate to really like being angry or really political stuff or anything you know i just i have this odd thing and the older i get the more it is that i'm just like can everybody just have a good time can we all I think I'm codependent in that way where I'm like, is everyone okay? Can I help anybody? You know? And I think that comes out in my comedy where I'm like, I just want everyone to have fun and let's just relax and forget because things are pretty shitty most of the time. I mean, not to be (laughs) super pessimistic, but I think, especially recently, it's stressful. It's stressful to just be a person right now. Yeah. And so if you can come in and forget for an hour and a half and have a good time, then that's that's what I'm going for. There we go. Do you think you're a... (laughs) pessimistic or optimistic I'm person. definitely optimistic as a person that's good it's hard sometimes to be optimistic in a in a larger general sense but for mm-hmm. myself very much positive thinking positive affirmations I meditate all the time third eye <laughs> yeah sure um yeah very optimistic I just it helps me mentally stay out of because I can spiral. So if I am just being pessimistic, then I really shift that way so that I just try to, it doesn't hurt anything to think positively. So, Are there like gatekeepers when it comes to comedy in, in Seattle at least? Yeah, they, or at least they try to be. It seems to be shifting as to who are those people. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's when you have, when you have the power to book people and actually allow them to work, then that's you can abuse that pretty easily and I think some people do not only just in the work space but I think people have abused it in really really scary ways before so which maybe leads to more of the independent like kind fucking of. like Harvey Weinstein ways oh, oh yeah. in Seattle yeah it's pretty common and I don't know if just in uh passionate work you know when people are really passionate about something that they really want and then they people can take advantage of that but it happens a lot in comedy i mean you guys have heard the terrible stories of people i heard the this is i i really don't know why i haven't noticed things like this before but like two days ago i was in north seattle and i saw 
for the first time, I saw a girl get catcalled, and I had never seen that before. Really? I was like, holy shit, that's craziness. Huh. But then girls tell me that shit happens all the time. Yeah. But I was like, wow. Which is, that kind of came up a few years ago of, it's uh, it's interesting, I don't know, that is very common. That's it's crazy. very common to get catcalled, to get hit on when you don't want to be talked to, like that's very common for women. And then... <laughs> There was this big thing in comedy where it was like, you know, bookers would uh, say inappropriate things, make you feel weird. Some uh, Somebody got in trouble for like asking for nude photos and stuff like when they're trying to book people. Oh, and then the, a lot of male comics were like, that doesn't happen. And we're like, yeah, we just don't tell you, you know, like we should. And we but we don't feel safe because you don't yeah. want to be seen as like this tattletale on this guy that everybody likes or that is is a gatekeeper, you know, yeah. so it's a. And so then those things started to come out with the Lucy K and all that stuff. So it's a weird. Because comedy is like mostly males still, right? Yeah. Or... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's pl- there's a ton of uh, female comics. There's a ton of great female comics. But in the grand scheme of comedy, there's a ton of fucking comics. So yeah. a lot of them are dudes. And unfortunately, that is part of it is how long can you make sure you feel safe? And, you know, a lot of people won't work certain places because they don't feel safe. So that really diminishes that place's ability to to book female comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them don't want to be there. Who's like a female icon in comedy? Like people, when they think of male icons, it's like a Dave Chappelle or whoever. Like who is it for comedy for women? I think most people would say Sarah Silverman. I mean, she's incredible. Um, and it, one of those people who, cause like a Chappelle, I feel like he really evolves and kind of keeps getting better and, and changing. And I think she's one of those people, like if you look at her older stuff versus her stuff now, it's incredible. I mean, really, really, really good. I love Maria Bamford. She was one of the first, um, female comics I'd ever seen. I didn't really know that was a thing, mm-hmm. um, until her, and she really kind of has her own, she just does her own thing. And has this huge fan base that knows exactly what she's doing and she's just really really funny i think some um other people like that have the similar story where they worked really hard for a long time and then something popped and people see them as like oh she just got famous but really she's been working really hard for a long time like tiffany haddish i think a lot of people are like they judge her a lot and i'm like she worked so hard for so long she just happened to get in this movie that everybody knows her from now and now she's continuing to create and create opportunities for other stand-ups. I think like those are the type of careers, the type of people we look up to and go, oh, that's what I... Chelsea Peretti is my favorite comedian, and she kind of went back and forth between... Like, she was on a TV show, so then a lot of people were like, oh, I know her from this. And it's like, yeah, but she's been doing it forever, right. you know, like, and really good, too. So, yeah, those are kind of our... I mean, there's older ladies too that really set the set the path for everybody, the Joan yeah. Rivers and the Phyllis Dillers. But yeah, what about like here in Seattle? Who are like the big Seattle comics? I really don't know. Me, I know fucking okay. what's his name. <laughs> that one guy. He's probably not even popular anymore. I know that the Michael Winslow guy. Is he, Is a comedian? he from Seattle? Yeah, he made those fucking. <laughs> I didn't even know he's from Seattle. He made those. Um, uh, Beep, not beep, beatboxing noises. People say Joel McHale because he's he started doing uh, stand-up and improv here when he was at UW. Um, Jeff Dye is from here. Who's like He's on a lot of NBC shows, but really funny comic. He's actually from Kent, which is right where I'm from. Renton, right? 
yeah, I'm from Renton. Um, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Renton. <laughs> um, Said no one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, I know what you would consider. So we had, I don't know if you've ever seen a dry bar, like their specials. They started doing specials. Dry bar? Yeah. It's because it's like clean. Oh, it's a uh, something I could get. It's like a yeah. Oh, it's like a a Mormon company. I oh think. no! But so they did these specials, and a lot of people from here did them. And then okay. we're like, I don't know, whatever. We'll just see what happens. You know, I got paid to film a special. Now I have this tape, and then they put them online, and it went like the most viral stand-up videos ever. Um, and the guy who's their biggest most views ever i mean it's over like 100 million views uh is brad upton who's been he's from here lives here been doing stand-up for over i mean almost 40 years used to open for joan rivers all the time um really great stand-up comedian and one and i jokingly call him my comedy dad but then it's been in the last you know three years that he's had like he's a special event now because of all of this um you know special attention that he got from dry bar so it's interesting uh, and there's there's a few other comics around here too that have, like you're just you're following changes because of those things. Um, there's that there's Nate is Nate Jackson a comedian? Mm-hmm. I've heard that guy. Yeah, he's great. He um, he's been on some shows lately. He's from Olympia okay. or like Lacey, but he opened that second club in Tacoma, which mm. seems to be a really great uh, club. I haven't been there yet because I'm just super booked. And then there's this um, one guy. I forget his name. He has like dreads and like a beard. He's like a taller guy. I don't know. That could be anyone. I know. Well, it's hard because, like, okay, so Jack Knight, who's well-known and is on, like, a lot of TV shows, he's from Renton as well, but he didn't start doing stand-up until he moved, I think, to New York, but now Mm -hmm. he's in L.A. Um, So there's some people who are, like, from here, but didn't. they're not necessarily from the comedy scene itself. Got it. Before they they moved, but we'll claim them for sure. Right. there's, I mean, and then a lot of guys. So Fahim Anwar is from here. He's great, but they're in LA now. You know, guys like that. So, like, are you, do you, would you be considered a Seattle comedian? Like, have you you, you stayed here or have you left or what? What's I did your deal? leave. Yeah, I lived in LA for three years, and then I, but I tour a lot, and so I wasn't there all the time. And then it's maybe like a year before COVID, I kind of wasn't living anywhere. I just was on the road all the time. The nomad got rid of me. Yeah, I got rid of my apartment in LA and then slowly kind of came back up here because I think as my career got better it made more sense for me not to have to be anywhere so why wouldn't I be here where my people are and honestly (laughs) I was in LA last week and I don't know maybe I shouldn't say this but (laughs) I was there and I was like people would move from here and go to Los Angeles because they thought that the weather here was affecting their mental health (laughs) then they go to LA and it would get worse I was like, yes, yeah, because you live here. Like, it's first of all, if it's an environmental thing for you, it's gross there. It's dirty and it's fucking smoggy. It's so it's like I used Skid to go for walks in my shorts and then come inside and you could wipe my legs with like a paper towel and uh, it would be like just black all over it. Like, just it was God. gross. Um, I wonder what the cancer rate is in LA is <laughs> <it's> true compared <laughs> to other places. Yeah, but I was there and I was just like, oh, I mean, because I had a good time. I had fun shows and stuff. Totally fine visiting. But um, I just was like, oh, why your mental health is best because you live here. <laughs> yeah. But that's not necessarily what happened to me. But I, um, yeah, it was just like, I'm traveling a ton. 
the stand-up is what I want to do. You know, of course I want some opportunities, but I make way more money from touring. So it just made sense for me to focus on that part. And now we've added some other things, which help a lot. But um, yeah, so, and then I do, I like the idea because people are moving. There's kind of an odd exodus coming from LA and New York. During this time, a lot of people went home to their families when they couldn't, you know, nothing was open. So um, I like the idea of having a stable normal life in a place that I want to live in um, and still being able to do things and be just as successful from here and I think I would love to see Seattle kind of continue to grow and cultivate all of its art art areas and it's a great place for place it's always been a great place for music and live theater and so I think we can kind of piggyback off that idea and continue to plays used to open here all the time that were like touring or Broadway shows would open here because they just liked the audiences. And so we do have a place that should continue to, or, or you know, maybe go back to that, I guess. But yeah, continue to have um, that be a, a thing that Seattle is known for. Yeah. And uh, you're part of the NAS community now. So we'll, we'll do some brainstorming on how to. Nice. Maybe we'll do some live shows and we'll do comedy and music and whatever. Hell yeah. Else. Yeah. Well, we're a little bit on a time crunch. So I have one more question and that's. Uh, what is some final advice you have for up-and-coming artists, creators, influencers? Oh, this is always tough. Um, well, my biggest piece of advice is to um, be nice. I know that's dumb, but if you want this to be your job, uh, be nice and professional. Treat it the same way you would a job because you never know who's going to um, be able to help you or who's going to support you later. Um, and always well this sounds so stupid but listen to yourself I think that's really important because it is an art you're the only person that can understand what you're doing so when people give you advice including this take it with a grain of salt and because you never know the person who you were asking a question to um, this year maybe next year you do something so different or so successful that they are asking for your advice so just always be nice always be professional and um, really stay true to what you uh, want to be creating one because you won't get burnt out that way I think when people feel like they're not being fulfilled by what they're creating that's when you go I don't really want to do this and um, it's just it keeps it interesting i don't know you don't want to get bored i guess yeah. is the thing. <laughs> well what's the easiest way for people to reach you monica nevy yes monica nevy everything's my name so monica nevy.com which has my calendar with my live shows on it um instagram at monica nevy twitter at monica nevy i think tiktok is like monica Ooh. nevy comedy or something but yeah if you search me you'll find me and um come see live shows i'm touring all over again so Hell yeah. And yeah. what's the name of your podcast? Oh, yeah. My podcasts are Hug Life and then Dumb Pitches, which is uh, created here in the Third Wheel Podcast Studio. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is the NAS podcast with Monica Nevy. And we did it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>